I'm going to preach you tonight, and I want to start off by talking about something that every single person in this room has struggled with. Uh-oh. You ready? No. Guilt. Oh, boy. How many of you, while I tie my shoes, how many of you have ever felt guilt in your life? I feel guilty for not tying my shoes properly. How many of you feel guilt about something right now? Something that maybe happened in your past? Something that just haunts you? Yeah, and you're from something in your past. All right. What if I told you tonight that I found the antidote for guilt? What if I told you I found the love potion number nine for guilt? What if I told you I found the secret formula, secret tonic for guilt? Now, I I left a hint on my Facebook. If you if you uh, saw that on Facebook, I said, I want to give you a hint. It's not the it's not has nothing to do with a Disney movie. In other words, I'm specifically talking about Frozen. The 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 way to uh, get rid of guilt is not just letting it go. I've been, I've been taught that. Well, you just have to let guilt go. I'm trying. Anybody ever feel that way? You're like, you know, guilt is going to eat you up inside, and guilt will overwhelm you, and guilt will drag you back, and guilt this and guilt that, and guilt will destroy you from the inside out, and, and guilt will keep you from you know, the dreams that God's given you, and guilt, guilt will rob you of your destiny, and guilt and guilt and the guilt, so just let it go. Let it go. Anybody ever heard that? Let it go. I'm not talking about the song. I'm talking about, has anyone ever told you just to let your guilt go? Well, the Bible actually gives us a prescription, a antidote for guilt. And we're going to talk about that. Guilt is something that um, Rick Warren wrote about guilt. He said, it's man's oldest problem outside of sin. It does not matter what culture you live in, where you are from, who you are, what your background is. All of us experience guilt at different times. You can see it all over society. People drive themselves because of guilt. They hide it through business, rushing through life and indulging in all the world has to offer. Oftentimes we make a mistake in our life. It causes us to feel guilty And we allow the guilt over a mistake to bring us down a path in our life where we make more mistakes that are worse than the original mistake that caused us to be guilty in the first place. Anybody identify with that? Now, I I like to, I want to caution you with something. I I feel sometimes in our church, and I just want to say this um, as one of your pastors, I think sometimes we think, well, this is a message for the non-harvest house people, or this is a message for the harvest house people. Um, Oh, I'm glad he's preaching this because they need to hear it. Let me tell you something. There's no such thing as they need to hear it. We all need to hear it. 
this isn't about whether or not you did drugs, because the fact of the matter is some of us have lived, led destructive lives, and, and folks don't even know about it. Some of us have made, made horrific mistakes that haunt us to this day that we feel guilty about that we would never see in your life because it didn't manifest in a way that destroyed your life out on the outside. Some of us have, have, have done things that we're not proud of, that, that we think about, that we, we have bad dreams about, that have nothing to do with drugs or alcohol. This isn't about drugs and alcohol. This isn't about whether you're homeless or you've lived in a beautiful home your whole life. This is about something that every human being, regardless of where you are, where you're from, what culture you grew up in, who your parents were, at some time in your life, you're going to feel guilt about something that happened, something Oftentimes we did or didn't do. And the Bible gives us a prescription, a prescription for it. It gives us a, an antidote for it. You know, and I think it's Revelation 12.10 says that, that the enemy or Satan is the accuser of the brethren. What, what that means to you and I, it means that, that it's not God who brings up our mistakes in front of us all the time. It's not something that happens from heaven down to earth. God is not waiting around the corner to remind all of us of what we've done wrong. Now, you might be sitting there going, I know that. I've read that before. Well, then why do you let stuff haunt you when you know it's not from God? Why do you entertain guilt when you know it's not from God? Because let me tell you something. It can only come from two places. And if it's not from there, guess where it's from? It's not that difficult, right? So we entertain this thing called guilt, shame, pain, whatever it is, for mistakes or things that we didn't do or we did do or were done to us. We entertain these things. And some of us need to remind ourselves that it is not God who is bringing these things to our remembrance and accusing us, but it is Satan that accuses the body of Christ, that accuses the brethren. Uh, brethren doesn't just mean the guys, although we, we mess up a lot more than you ladies, trust me. It means all of us, right? You with me? So what's the solution? What's the antidote? We're going to find the antidote for guilt, for getting rid of guilt in your life in the story of the 10 lepers. So let's go to Luke chapter 11. Now, this is one of those simple messages that I'm not going to preach long, but this is one of those simple messages that if you grab a hold of this principle and you put it to use in your life tonight, you wake up tomorrow morning, put it into use in your life, you're in, listen, this is, I, I, I will guarantee you, your entire life will be changed. Your entire life will be changed if you can put this in action. I, I, had a, I had a guy, I'm, I'm just going to leave you on the cliff for a moment. I had a guy who did my sozo. I needed one. If you don't know what sozo is, it's something that straightens you out. Sozo is just a prayer counseling session. Our entire staff went through it. My dad said he's the poster child for it now. And it's just, it was an amazing experience. And I had a, a guy who did my sozo. His name was Tom. And... Uh, he uh, went through this whole thing with me and what, what I heard from him is uh, we were talking about 
um, uh, wounds from your parents. Now, I had two amazing parents. They were wonderful. But as amazing as they are as parents, there were still things that negatively affected my life. And I was very hesitant to talk about those because I wanted to protect them. And he said to me, he said, I have a couple daughters. And he said, I have given my life for my daughters. I have given, I have worked hard. I've given my life to them. I have done everything I could do to be the most incredible father I could to my girls. And he said, even with all of that, I know there's things that I have done or have forgotten to do that have set them up for hurt. I thought, well, in that case, let me tell you about how wonderful my mom is and how terrible my dad is. Just kidding. And, uh, and so I, he, he, he let me off the hook. He gave me the freedom to say, you know. <laughs> let me tell you about what those things were. Now. So he let me off the hook to begin to talk about some of those things that we work through. And I thought to myself, I mean, my mom and dad literally... I can't even tell you the, the nights. My dad worked four jobs at one time just to provide for us. My mom would spend all hours. Of, I mean, it, with five kids, one of them is sick always. I mean, there's no breaks, you know. My mom would spend all hours of the night up with a sick child, up in the morning getting the rest to school. I mean, the sacrifices they made. And yet I think to myself, we still mess up. Not because we have some great intention. We still mess up. Even as Christians, even as believers, we mess up and we feel guilty about those mess ups. Are you with me? Because yes. yes. it's like, oh, he's, he's preaching to the ones that have done terrible things. No, I'm preaching to you too and me. I think about it all the time. Well, what if, even with my daughter at eight years old, I think, well, what if, what if I just would have canceled that and, and went and did that? What if, what, I mean, how can I be better? I'll feel guilty about it. But guilt, the accuser of the brethren is not God. Guilt never comes from heaven. So let's read this, starting in verse 11. And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Who are we talking about here? Does anybody know? Luke 11, 11? Oh, you know what? I'm just, sorry. I messed up. I'm just making up the Bible now. We hope you feel guilty about I told you it was Luke 17. Duh. Luke 17, verse 11. These guys. When I say 11, I mean 17. You knew that, right? Luke 17, 11 through 19, okay? <laughs> bum, 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 bum. <laughs> you got it? And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. How many of you know who this is that we're talking about? Come on. It's Jesus. Right? Jesus. Jesus is uh, through the, he's uh, passed through the midst of Samaria, Galilee. He'd entered into a certain village and he met 10 men 
who were lepers that were afar off. Now, I want to show you this very, this is real simple, but I want to show you this. Uh, something about these lepers and the reason that the Bible is real clear about it is that they were afar off. And the law of the day said that these lepers couldn't live amongst uh, those folks that didn't have leprosy. Fo people that didn't have leprosy were, were clean. These guys were unclean. If you saw a leper on one side of the road, you would pass as far as you could on the other side of the road, and you would scream unclean at the top of your lungs as you went by them. So that everybody, it was like when you flash your lights because there's a, there's a speed trap, it was like that. It was like, hey, I want to let everyone know who's coming. This guy over here, or these 10 men, are, are lepers. Stay, steer clear of them. They're contagious. They're unclean. They're outcasts. At the time, these, the, this was the lowest of the low, these lepers. They literally, when they come down with this disease and contract this disease, they literally, in a moment's notice, because of the law, they are stripped of any contact with anyone they've ever loved who has ever loved them. Think about that. Think about tomorrow, something begins to happen in your body, and now you cannot hug or touch or, or your wife, your husband, your children. You can't go hang out with your friends. Done. You're gone. You're stripped away. You're sent to a, a camp or you're sent to a, a colony where you're just amongst other people that are suffering and your flesh is being eaten off. I mean, this is a nasty, nasty thing that we're talking about here. And so their lives are completely wrecked, literally like that. They don't just, they're just not slowly being eaten by this disease, but they lose all contact with loved ones and everybody. They are they are messed up. You get me? And, and Jesus sees them and says they stood afar off. They were outcasts. They're, they were, they were just, they just, they were considered just the most awful people in the group or in the village. And I want to point this out. The law in this case, the law kept them away from everybody else, the law kept them there in their current condition and left them there, separated them from the folks that were clean. I want you to pay attention to this. It was the law of the land that separated them from the rest of the people that were clean. That's going to make sense in a little bit to more of you. Jesus, in this case, doesn't allow the law to stop him from reaching these people. Let's go to verse 13. They lifted up their voices and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Now, now Jesus wasn't telling them to go to the priest because the priest was going to heal them. That's not what was going on here. Jesus was going to be the one to make sure that they were healed. But in order to re-enter society, the lepers would have to go to the priest and receive a certificate of being clean, like a, like a health certificate. That, and the priest would determine this person no longer has leprosy, and they can return back to their family and their village and their loved ones. So Jesus says, listen, he says, I want you to, I want you to go show yourselves to the priest, came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. 
So, so Jesus says, hey, I want you to go to the priests. Now, in that moment, they weren't healed. Okay? In that moment, they weren't healed. Because it says, as they went, they were cleansed. Okay, I, I, I promise this is going to make sense to you. So you have this group of people that are outcasts, that are considered the nobodies. They've, they've got this disease. Hang with me here. The law has separated them. They're off to the side. Jesus speaks to them and he says, I want you to be obedient to me. I want you to take these steps. I want you to head to the priest and have faith that by going, by the time you get there, you're going to be cleansed. Now the penalty for them not being cleansed and going to the priest or going into the synagogue was, was very severe and sometimes even death. Because they didn't want to expose them to people that didn't have the disease. So they had to actually believe the words of Jesus and step out in obedience in order to go and take steps to head towards the priest and believe that as they went that they would be cleansed and that's what happens. In their journey to see the priest, they're cleansed, they're healed. They're transformed. They take this step of obedience and they're transformed. Now, I just want to stop for a moment and I want to parallel that to you, your life and my life. Because many of us, whether it was related to some of the things I spoke about earlier or whether it's stuff that nobody knows about, we had some stuff going on in our lives. Many of us found Jesus because we were at a real difficult place in our life. Some of us, family had turned on us. Some of us have turned on ourselves. We didn't, we didn't even, we were, we were, we didn't even want to, we didn't want to be alive anymore, but we had messed up. We were separated by our sin and the law kept us there. Now hang with me for a second. And we responded to the call of Jesus and we were obedient to see ourselves healed from some of the things that we were so desperately sick of. How many of you responded to Jesus and took a step in faith and were cleansed because of it? You get me here? So we see this journey of these lepers responding to Jesus, Jesus kind of breaking the rules, Jesus piercing through the law and, 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 and saving and healing these lepers. And the lepers head to the priest and not one, not two, but all 10 of them are cleansed on the way. We're going to go somewhere, I promise you. You're going to be like, I get it now. Verse 15. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face, at his feet, giving thanks. He was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered saying, were there not 10 cleansed? He said, where are the other 10? I see one of you, but where are the other 10? Whether they're nine, sorry, my math is messed up. As Casey figured out between 11 and 17. But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God. Save this stranger. And he said unto them, arise, go thy way, for thy faith has made thee whole. Now this is where people get confused because they say he'd already been cleansed. What is Jesus referring to here? I'm going to clue you in on some stuff here. Jesus, I don't want to screw this up because I wrote this down. Just because you're clean and you're no longer doing what you used to do doesn't mean you're whole. Some of us get clean 
Now that word means more to some of us than others. Some of us get clean. We stop doing what we used to do and hanging out with the people we used to hang out with. We get clean, but we never become whole. Because we carry the baggage from the days in the leper colony with us. And although we're not lepers, we carry the baggage of the lepers with us. Are you with me? We carry the guilt, we carry the shame, we carry the pain. We remember the days when they used to run by us and scream unclean. We remember the days when people looked down on us. We remember the days when we didn't add up to anybody else. And some of us still labor under that guilt and that shame and that pain. And although we're not doing what we used to do and we've been made clean, we're not whole. And so we, we go back to our lives and we say, okay, I'm going to do this, but there's something not right. There's something holding us back. And you're saying, Dan, does this mean that I'm not saved? No, that's not what I'm saying. But you can be saved and you can be clean and you could have had, had whatever you were messed up in. God took it out of your life and you walked through it and you were obedient and you could see this. You could walk this thing out and yet still carry the baggage of guilt and shame and pain and the days of when you used to be there with you and it can haunt you and it can just constantly be gnawing at the back of your head. And you, although you don't want to go back anymore, this stuff messes with you and it keeps you from fully experiencing what God has for you in your life. You may no longer show the outward signs of what you struggled with, but the guilt, the shame, and the pain of your mistakes will keep you sick inside. Are you with me? You can be cleansed and not be free. This is a concept that are like, okay, But this explains why so many of us have this guilt and the shame and this pain that we carry with us. And so we look at this life of this one leper and we try to figure out what was it that ultimately was the antidote to make him whole? What was it that took him from simply just stepping out of what he used to do and actually becoming whole and free from the baggage of the days that he used to do what he used to do, the days of being unclean, the days of the law and his sin separating him, keeping him that way? What took him from that point, not just to not doing that anymore, not just to be not in the leper colony anymore, but to be what Jesus described as whole and what it is the potion the antidote the prescription it was gratitude he was thankful he was cognizant enough of where he had been and realize that God did so much for him and that he, 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 I can imagine he had a family waiting for him. The other nine ran to their families, ran back to their homes. They were excited to embrace their loved ones. You can't feel, you can't shame them for wanting to run back and to throw their arms around their loved ones. But he was so aware of what God had done in his life, what Jesus performed in his life. He was so keenly aware that he had to turn around and recognize and show gratitude for what was going on in his life. And because of it, he was made whole. The gratitude in his life 
was the antidote to the shame and the pain and the guilt and the fear. He was grateful for where he was and he was so filled with admiration and thankfulness that he didn't have the emotional capacity to feel bad and to look back at the mess that he was in. Are you with me? Unless guilt is removed from your life, there will always be something dragging you back. Unless, the, unless something changes beyond, just you be being, be, beyond you just walking out of where you used to be. And just some of us, we get stagnant and, and where we are, but we're still allowing things from our past to haunt us and to drag us back and to constantly just keep us stunted in our ability to connect with God and actually to follow the plan of God for our life. And the real way to break through that is to be aware of what God's done for you and to be thankful and grateful and to show gratitude to God because it totally, it literally takes the enemy's plan. He's like, you, don't you just, I'm just, you, you know, don't you remember you, and you this and you that and you're just speaking those things and those lies into your mind and the minute you open your mouth up and you're like, God, I'm so grateful and thankful for where you brought me from. I'm so grateful. I don't live in the Ritz, but it's better than the bridge. I used to live. I'm just so thankful and grateful for what you've done in my life. When you get that kind of attitude and you begin to walk that on your life, you don't have time to think about the things you should have, could have, would have done. Yeah. Are you with me? It's gratitude. It's thankfulness that is really the antidote to you walking out of guilt in your life. Now, you might think to yourself, that doesn't sound like it's going to work. Well, those of you that raised your hand, how is your current method working out for you? The number one topic of counseling and deep discussion, either in my office or in a sozo session or in counseling at Harvest House, or, or, or if you come over to the house and we sit down and talk, and we start talking about things besides what the weather's about, and we get deep into discussion, the number one topic always comes back to guilt. Yeah, I just love Jesus, and you know, my kids are doing good, and, but I just wish I, I wish I, I just wish I, I would have this, and I just wish. I heard somebody recently say, I just wish I would have met Jesus 20 years ago. I just wish this. I just wish, I just wish, I wish I could have introduced my kids to this 20 years ago. I just wish, I just wish, I just wish, I just wish. We live in that place. But God has a solution. God has an antidote. God has an instant, amazing way to begin to that process of fixing and getting rid of that in your life. It's thankfulness. Do you know how we have measured over the years somebody that we think and like, uh, you know, and I want to kind of bring this to some of our, our guys and our girls, but when, we, when we're sitting around the table and we're saying, you know that, we really, I'm really excited about what's going on in such and such's life. Do you know what it usually has to do with? It's their capacity to be aware of where God's brought them from and to be thankful for it. And man, when I hear somebody talking about how thankful they are and how grateful, and sometimes they direct it towards us or my dad or our family, 
And, we, and that's wonderful. I mean, we appreciate that. But even that, their understanding just to be grateful to something or somebody, and eventually they make their way to God and realize it's all about him. But that ability to be thankful and grateful, if you talk to the case managers, if you talk to anybody that, that has a career trying to help people, they'll tell you, when I get somebody in front of me that learn, has learned to be thankful and grateful, I know they're going to make it. And you're like, well, why do the ones that don't seem to be thankful and grateful not make it? Because I've always tried to figure that out. Well, because they're not thankful. Well, that's not a good answer. Well, they're just not thankful. Yeah, but what triggers them to not make it? Something has to happen for them to decide, I just want to go back to what I was doing before. And most of the time, it has to do with guilt, pain, fear, and shame, and the baggage of living in the leper colony. Are you with me? And so, because there's not, they're not grateful and thankful, there's a void that gets filled by the accuser of the brethren. You with me here? But when there's no room for him to accuse you because you're so thankful and grateful for what God's done, that you don't live under the curse, under the burden of your mistakes. Great, great message, Pastor Dan. We're going to try this. I think this might work. On the eve of... On the eve of the Star Wars release... Luke, be be grateful. (laughs) Seriously. Luke, Luke, you've had a bad attitude for a couple years. Get grateful. And what's funny is if you have some people that are familiar with your story and you just don't know what to be grateful for, just have them remind you. Because folks love to do that. You're like, I just don't know what to be grateful for. They're like, are you kidding me? You were so messed up six months ago. <laughs> when you got here, you're like, you never smile. You look like you're mad at the world. You wanted to bite everybody's head off. Oh my gosh, you were so miserable. <laughs> you're like, never mind. I got it. Thank you. I'm grateful. I'm thankful. Thank you. Thank you for those kind words. All right, thank you. Hey, you know what would make my heart even happier than you saying great message is if we take this and we apply it to our lives and we actually begin to see it work. And if you think, if you're robbed by this stuff that we're talking about, or you know you've been set free from those things that, that had you in the leper camp, you know you've been cleaned and, and, and you know you've been, you've been uh, healed, but there's still something holding you back. This is it. If the day I find somebody who's grateful and thankful and has sincere gratitude in their heart, the day I find that person and they're not just being launched forward with what God has for them is the day I quit. That's how I'm sure I am that this is the answer. 
And don't try to fake it, I'll know. Stand to your feet. We're going to get out of here. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, yes. And now I'm going to preach my dad's sermon from Sunday. Here it is, right there. It's right here. We'll sell you these notes. Give me those. Those are are precious, copyrighted. I'm going to recycle it on Sunday. We'll see who was listening. Hey, here's the deal. Um, this, can be, uh, this can become a lifestyle, a lifestyle of gratitude where you learn to be so thankful and grateful. And you're going to see that the thoughts and the struggle and the fears and the shame and the pain. And listen, I don't care who you are in here. You've got it. Some of us have been saved for 40 years And we have children that are wayward and we take some responsibility on our shoulders and we feel guilty about it. Are you with me? You could be in the church for 40 years and still have things that we feel guilt about that we're trying to release. Be thankful for what God has done. It might not be in that family member, but be thankful for the ones that he is, you know, he, that, that are responding to him. Be thankful for what God's done in your life. Be thankful that you're saved. Be thankful that God loves you. There's so much to be grateful for that you can focus on that and be set free from the guilt that destroys us from the inside out. Sound good? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray in a moment, but I, I just want to rem- uh, tell you one thing. How many of you have, uh, um, either have not been baptized and want to, or uh, you, you did it as a child and you want to get baptized? How many of you want to do that? You know that. One, two, three. Keep your hands up. Four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay, cool. Anybody else? So that's eight here tonight. This is what we're going to do. I'll tell you why. One of my brother Jim's daughters. I think it's Heranya. You'll see up here. Beautiful little Mexican princess. She has not been baptized. She's either nine or nine or 10, 10. She's 10. And she out of the blue told her mom that before Christmas, she wants to get baptized because it's going to be her gift to Jesus. So Besides totally making my children look like reprobates, I thought that was very sweet. And it's always a competition. So what we're going to do is next Wednesday night for our Christmas service, we're going to sing some carols. We're going to worship. We're going to have a wonderful time together, and we're going to have a baptism two days before Christmas. All right? So if you have not been baptized... This is your opportunity, and it would be a great gift, not just in your own life, but to Jesus for Christmas. Now, what? Right, that's what I'm going to tell him. I was just going to sign you up for that. My mom likes to do the baptisms, and so we do it right here. We put a baptismal tank here. We do it as we sing, and we do it community style. So if you're interested in getting baptized, I think most of the people were over on this side that raised their hand. Be here at 7 o'clock. If you have something going on having to do with your responsibilities um, in one of our programs, you can tell them, Pastor Dan's, he's pulling rank, and you can get out.
and come at seven o'clock. You're going to meet my mom probably upstairs, right, mom? Upstairs there. Um, we'll be in here rehearsing. Just go right up those stairs and there'll be a, a short, maybe about 20 minute class and bring a change of clothes and bring dark clothes and hopefully loose clothes. Yeah, wear the clothes you want to be baptized in, and then afterwards you can change into uh, your normal outfit. How does that sound? And bring a towel. Towels are important, okay? We don't want you running around the church wet. That won't be fun. Does that sound good? Won't that be fun? So in between Silent Night and Oh Holy Night, you're going to get baptized. It's going to be fun. I'm excited about that. Father, we thank you for this word tonight. I ask you bless your people, Lord, as we leave here. Lord, that we experience the fullness of you in our lives and we walk, we walk with the assurance that, God, you want to see us not just cleansed, not just healed, but whole. We want to be whole and healthy. We want to be a healthy church. Each one of us healthy and responding to the plan of God in our lives with nothing holding us back. So, Lord, teach us. Lord, give us the grace. Give us, the God, the fortitude to remind us to be grateful and thankful and to show gratitude in our lives. That we could see, Lord, these things that have held us back just erased once and for all. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, amen. amen. We'll see you.